Welcome to The Story Walk, a podcast by storytellers for storytellers. And we hope that means you. Whether you identify as a storyteller with a capital S, or if you just like to tell stories in your work, say as a teacher, librarian, counsellor or community leader. And not forgetting, if you're a parent or a grandparent, looking to share stories and values with your family. And since the Story Walk is presented by FEAST, the Federation of Asian Storytellers, our focus is on sharing Asian stories and celebrating tellers from the Philippines in the East to Turkey in the West and countless storytelling communities that lie in between. Welcome to the Story Walk's third episode. I'm your host, Ritu Vesh. I have been an educationist and designing, developing, delivering English skill development courses and curriculum for over three decades now. As a podcaster, I have a weekly podcast, Story Prism. And with me is my very talented co-host, Roger Jenkins. Oh, thank you. Raj Jenkins is a Singaporean storyteller, a co-founder and director of Feast. He came to storytelling via theatre, which explains his style that combines both a strong sense of the theatrical with a relaxed conversational manner born of his work in improvised comedy. He has a keen interest in promoting accessibility. He is a trained audio describer for the blind and has a deaf tandem storyteller partner. Well, thank you, Rita, for that very generous introduction. I was just thinking about the time when we began to discuss the idea of a feast podcast that would appeal to tellers and listeners alike. I can't believe we're on episode number three already. Time really does fly, doesn't it, when you're faced with a deadline? Yes, indeed it does. It's been quite a learning curve, too. It sure has. Rito and I are so glad we decided to share the hosting on each program, because when it comes to prepping the story walk, it's good to have more hands in the kitchen. So what's on the menu today, Ritu? Our episode three is about India. And when we think about stories from India, the epics like Mahabharat and Ramayana jump to mind. Every Indian has grown up listening to the famous stories from the Panchatantra. And when we talk about the story landscape of India, we have to mention the wit and wisdom of both Birbal and Tenali Raman. Mm. When we planned the walk schedule, we had no idea that by the time we came to broadcast, that India would be in the grip of such a deadly second wave of the coronavirus. And we do want to take this opportunity to send our condolences to all our Indian listeners and those feast members who have lost family and friends, and we're sad to say, fellow storytellers. Praying for all to come out of the clutches of this deadly virus. Hope this episode will bring some cheer. So, we have three contrasting tales for you in our miso, dim sum and fortune cookie segments. And for the entree, we chat with two members of Feast's India chapter, our very first special interest group. In the pantry section, the Story Walk Chefs, in other words, the podcast production team, will share some of our favourite sources for finding good Indian stories. 
And in the Tadka, which is our story clinic, I'm going to be getting some really practical advice about using props in storytelling from the popular Nupur Agarwal from Hyderabad. So now you know what's in store. Let's serve the first story, which is told by Veena Sitepalli. Veena is an educator, storyteller and a volunteer. She believes that mythology and cultural tales help pass wisdom from one generation to the next. Her stories reflect her passion in art, travel and gardening. Her story today comes from Mahabharat. This epic was originally written by Rishi Vedvyas and composed thousands of years ago. The main story, Roger, revolves around two branches of a family, the Pandavas and the Kauravas, who, in the Kurukshetra war, battle for the throne of Hastinapur. So let's listen to Veena's story. Here is a story adapted from the book by C. Rajagopalachari, Draupadi's Cooking Pot. As children, my parents often reminded us to eat every morsel on our dinner plate and reminded us to thank the farmer for cultivating rice. The rice from the farms comes to the kitchens at home. We chanted, Annahe Purna Brahma before each meal. Chant we did, but a story from Mahabharat brings to light the deeper significance of this chant, which says, Brahman is there in the entire food grain. What is Feast's Walk, the podcast, without Draupadi's cooking pot? The pot that nourished the five princely Pandav brothers during their exile in the forest. The Akshay Patra, or the cooking pot, was a gift from the sun god himself to the righteous Pandav princes. It would provide them and their dutiful wife Draupadi enough food for a day. One day, when Rishi Durvasa, or Sage Durvasa, and his thousand disciples had finished partaking a sumptuous, delicious meal given by none other than Prince Duryodhan and his brothers. They were the cousins of the Pandav princes, but they lived in the palace in Hastinapur near Delhi, whereas the Pandav princes were living in exile in a little hut. Duryodhan also gave ample donations, clothing to the Rishi and his disciples, so as to please them and not incur any wrath. Rishi Durvasa, or Sage Durvasa, was well known for his quick temper and curses, but was kind with his boons. In fact, as the Rishi was pleased, he asked Duryodhan, I am pleased with your hospitality, I grant you a boon. He said, You have blessed us, Rishi Durvasa. Our brothers are in the forest. Do visit them for a meal so that they may be honored and blessed too, said Duryodhan. But in his mind, Duryodhan was deceitful and thought, Maybe if the Rishi is not well received, the Pandavas might incur his wrath. 
Ha, 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 what else can please me, he thought to himself. Rishi Durvasa liked to test people. One day, while walking in the forest, they, they visited the Pandavas near the banks of the river. The eldest prince, Yudhishthir, warmly greeted the Rishi and his disciples. Namaste, please visit our simple hut and bless us, he said. We will perform our rituals and bathing in this river. Go, keep our meals ready by then. We will visit you in your hut, said the Rishi. However, that day the five Pandav princes and Draupadi had already eaten their food and thus the Akshay Patra or the cooking pot would be denuded for the day as for the sun god's boon. Alas, cried Draupadi, how can I serve the Rishi Durvasa and his disciples? In my palace, I would have made a grand meal with plenty of grains and condiments from the large granary. I am at a loss here in the forest, she cried, and remembered Lord Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Oh Krishna, oh Krishna, come help me, please help me. And there he was. Krishna appeared at the door of the hut. Well, the Lord always likes to look after his devotees. I am hungry. Bring me some food, Draupadi, he said. Astonished, Draupadi cried in confusion. Are you here to help me, O Lord? Why do you test me in this time of need? The power of the cooking pot is exhausted, said Draupadi. <laughs> Bring me that pot, said Krishna. I can check it for myself. Just a grain of rice and a piece of cooked vegetable was stuck to the rim of the pot. Krishna ate it with great satisfaction and filled the hunger of the soul of the universe. When Yudhishthir was sent to invite the Rishi and the disciples to the, from the river, the Rishi Durvasa and his disciples said, We feel well fed and satiated. Please thank Yudhishthir and we will continue our journey in the forest. The Rishi smiled. He understood the deep meaning of Sri Krishna's act of feeding the universe and they left into the forest. Well, the elders of our family teach us good values, don't they? They remind us of the importance of eating even the last morsel on our plate. And Annahe Purna Brahman Food is Purna Brahman itself. Annahe Purna Brahma This Sanskrit chant translates to Food is next to God. In our family too, food was and is never wasted. So I love this chant. Roger, what do you think about the story? For me, it was it was the idea that you know the right word at the right time can fill us or or satiate us. Isn't that a great word, satiate? 
Sometimes, like, you know, when you, I was trekking and I was feeling low on energy, all it would take would be a, a few pieces of dried fruit to lift my spirits, and then I think I'd be ready to conquer the next peak. And to satiate our desire for more stories, moving from miso to the dim sum, we have a story from Panchatantra. Oh, what a surprise. You mentioned right at the start that the Mahabharata and Panchatantra were at the heart of Indian story. I'm actually a fan of the Panchatantra fables. I've actually dramatized a dozen of them. Wow, that's amazing, Roger. It was a, a wonderful production with uh, Jiva, who was my uh, main uh, storyteller. The Panchatantra is a collection of animal fables that are similar to Aesop's, though they're even older than his. And these stories likewise teach us how to live our lives. Which tale are we going to hear now? It's the story of the twin parrots. Oh, I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, you're going to love it. I'm delighted that C.S. Radha has gracefully accepted our offer to narrate this story. She's a Karnatak musician and uses her voice modulation, intonation and gestures to tell stories and sing rhymes. She has lent her voice to over 500 animation rhymes, educational videos and presentations too. Her YouTube channel, Reach World Music, has songs from different languages. The Twin Parrots with C.S. Radha. Enjoy! Welcome, sir. Please be seated. Welcome, sir. You must be so tired. Welcome, sir. My dear people, give him water and food. Give him shelter, make him feel good. Welcome, sir. Welcome, sir. Welcome, sir. Would you like to know who used to sing this song? Well, long, long ago, there was a fowler. He used to catch birds and sell them for a living. One day, he caught two tiny little parrots, two baby parrots. He put them in a cage and took them home. He named them Ramu and Somo. One day, Ramu flew away from the cage. Somu was in the cage. Somu started hearing the language of this fowler. The fowler and his family did not have good manners. They used to shout at each other, yell at each other and say things that were not so pleasant. When anyone came even close to their home, they started yelling, Who's there? Catch him! Beat him! Loot him! As Somu grew up hearing only these words, he started saying the same. Who is there? Catch him! Beat him! Loot him! But where was Ramu? Ramu flew here and there and he reached a hermitage. In the hermitage, all the hermits were talking softly, talking nicely to each other and welcoming everyone. That is where... Ramu heard the song. Ramu loved to welcome people. Ramu loved to have everyone around 
and Ramu would speak so sweetly. One day, the king went hunting. He went on horseback. As he was going here and there, he realized that he got lost. So he started searching for a place where he could eat and drink. He was so hungry and thirsty and tired. He reached the house of the fowler. And what did he hear? Who's there? Catch him! Beat him! Loot him! The king did not like it. He said, I'll come back here later to find out who it is. Right now I'm too tired. Let me search for another place. So he went further and he went to the hermitage. And do you know what he heard? The parrot was welcoming the king. Welcome, sir. Please be seated. Welcome, sir. You must be so tired. Welcome, sir. My dear people, give him water and food. Give him shelter. Make him feel good. Welcome, sir. Welcome, sir. Welcome, sir. Oh, the king was so happy. The parrot in this place was welcoming him. Meanwhile, all the hermits came out and welcomed the king, made him sit, gave him cool water, gave him good food and fruits. The king was so happy, he relaxed and then he left. When the king had to leave, one of the hermits escorted the king to the palace and came back to the hermitage. The king sent some of his soldiers to find out why he heard such voices from the first home. The soldiers went, found out, came back and told him that it was the voice of a parrot. They also told him that the parrot belongs to a fowler who speaks the same way. The king realized how important it was for everyone around a baby to talk nicely and behave nicely and how it influences the life of the baby as it grew up. This is a story I have taken from Panchatantra. I am Radha, a storyteller from Hyderabad, India. The language we speak is Telugu and in Telugu there is a saying, E guti chiluka, a guti paluku, which means whichever nest a parrot belongs to, it learns the language of that nest. Is that not true? I love it when a teller breaks into song. There's something about the unaccompanied voice that is so engaging or haunting. Indeed. And it's such a simple story. And so are many other Panchatantra stories too. It reminds me of keeping good company. We can all help to lift each other up. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that, Ritu because it leads us very naturally into our chat with a couple of members of FEAST's first special interest group, the FEAST India Chapter, or FIC. And I'm sure one of the motivations behind setting up the FIC 
was to bring Indian members together in order to share their you know, expertise and address matters of common interest to them. Yeah, and we are delighted to have with us Nandita Sankaran and Prakriti Agarwal. Both lived former lives unrelated to storytelling. Prakriti, as a computer science professional before becoming a Montessori practitioner, and Nandita as a practicing chartered accountant and GST specialist. Yet now they are both Kathalaya. Yet now they are both Kathalaya certified storytellers. This duo is passionate about Indian mythology and ancient Indian wisdom. Sharing that interest, they started Story Mitra in 2020. They strongly believe that stories are all around us and each one has a story to share. They just need a listening ear. Well, yes, because today our focus is on India, we thought it would be a good idea for us to find out about the Feast India chapter. And what is that? Uh, we too, we've set up these uh, interest groups. We're trying to foster that within Feast in order to bring storytellers who share a common interest or passion, uh, an aspect of storytelling. And so they can support and nurture each other, share skills, that kind of thing. And so we're very excited because the uh, India chapter was the very first group to set up. And as you know, the podcast is the second group that Feast created. We are six people who are really interested in terms of developing a podcast and learning about that. But the very first interest group was the Feast India chapter. And so that's why I'm delighted that we can meet one of their members today. I think that could be wonderful for our listeners to get a personal perspective about FIC. And we have with us Prakriti, who is a member of FIC herself. So welcome to the show, Prakriti. Thank you, Ritu. Thank you, Roger. Thank you for uh, calling me. Well, and I, I do want to kind of just put you at ease to reassure you that we're not asking you to speak on behalf of the uh, chapter, but just to give us your personal impressions and what you've observed and, and what you've gained from it, okay? That would be cool. All right. So, Prakriti, how many people are involved in this FIC, which is the small uh, interest group that we have for India? So, Ritu, the FIC is still growing. Currently, we have around 50 members from all over wow. India. And do they come from like, you know, many different areas of India? Yes, indeed, Roger. We have people joining from uh, Jammu and Kashmir, Mumbai, Hyderabad, Bangalore, and uh, some people are from Chandigarh. So it's a great collection of storytellers from all over India. Wonderful. You better mention Chennai and Kolkata because I know you have some wonderful centers there of, of storytelling activity, communities that are very strong. Wow. That's nice, you know, because India is a very vast country with diverse cultures, diverse styles of storytelling and diverse stories too. But why was there a need for this? I think a group of uh, storytellers just felt a need as uh, there are different story forms. There are so many festivals and every festival of India has a story behind it. 
and uh, therefore the feast india chapter was formed so that all the indian storytellers could meet up they could discuss common issues work out some solutions they could publicize each other help out each other and uh, yeah it's a great collaborative effort that feast india chapter is trying to build in I gather it's not just uh, Indians who are resident in India too. You have some uh, who are part of the Indian diaspora. Is that right? Yes, absolutely correct, Roger. We have Kiran, who is actually right now based in Australia, and mm. uh, we have Krupa, who is in Singapore. So yes, we have uh, Indian storytellers who are not resident in India. So Prakriti, uh, what is one thing that you have gained? being a part of uh, this amazing FIC mm, ritu there are many things that actually we uh, nandita and i myself uh, gained by being part of FIC uh, the first thing was we met so many awesome storytellers at one platform that was amazing because we had never met actually jeeva or uh, ritu parna or rohini personally so that was amazing and uh, then uh, the second thing was so uh, you know the first meeting that we attended was not actually fic's first meeting but there uh, they were discussing about uh, storytellers not charging the fees for uh, sessions as well as about professionalism and we as newcomer storytellers not really so experienced we found it really weird that who would give us work if we are not you know giving them free sessions or demo sessions and actually all the experienced storytellers told us that uh, it is not right for us to have free sessions for uh, established brands or firms because they already have funds and when we do that we are bringing down our storytelling profession as a community so that is what we realize is a responsibility on our shoulders to uh, keep up the profession keep up the respect that each of us uh, as storytellers expect and should receive absolutely you're you're providing a service and you know you have to remember when you go into um school for example uh, they have set the agenda they know the stories they want and so you have to work and prepare that so it's very different if you were just turning up and delivering the stories that you want to that's that's one thing and that is what if you like an amateur does they're not under any pressure to meet anybody else's needs but you are providing a service and as such then you should be paid something for that and as you develop your expertise then you'll be able to charge more this is a very practical sharing of knowledge and i'm i'm delighted to hear that that is so true raja so though i'm blessed uh, ritu and roger to have a partner as nandita for uh, you know our venture called story metro but uh, still sometimes as both of us are newcomers and inexperienced we feel lost and uh, that is when this intimate community that we have as fic uh helps us to ask any questions any uh, concerns that we are having in a very closed group where uh, we can open up and say anything it's a very important part i think of storyteller uh, as you're beginning your journey to find other people with whom you can share your experience and uh, if you're having uh, difficulties you know you uh, you start telling a story and you forget what comes next or you find your Uh, kids are getting distracted how do you get them engaged back again these kind of things that if you are part of a group then you're able to share that and you'll find that you're not alone because that happens to all of us 
uh, and you'll also get perhaps some good ideas about how you can address them going forward. Absolutely. Yes, because learning and growing together, helping each other is a big part of Feast 2, right? What I want to know really is, are there any exciting projects that are going on at FIC? Um, one short-term activity that we all are uh, very excited about is the Feast Fest. And uh, one proposal that we have submitted is about the Ramayana. It is a seven nights version of Ramayana in which we'll be telling every day a different style, a different form and we'll be continuing the story. There'll be 13 tellers who will be featured every day. Yeah, the Feast Fest which is going to happen in October, that is something which FIC is really excited about. Well, 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 the cat is out of the bag. You heard it first on the Story Walk to have 13 of you uh, collaborating and, and making it this huge project, really, seven nights, I think is going to be fascinating. I can't wait. Uh, and I, I hope you're going to be involved in that, Prakrati? Yes, I'll be in the background. But I'm, I'm sure it will be fascinating to see how seven sessions to reduce the, the Ramayana to seven uh, half-hour sessions will in itself be uh, a challenge and something that I'm sure you'll learn from in how you can take and shape a big story. That would be a task and we are really excited. I'm already marking my calendar, Roger and uh, Prakriti. And, and I have to say, Prakriti's being very modest to say that she's going to sit in the background uh, for this particular uh, event because she has put forward a couple of other very interesting proposals. So I can say now you will definitely be featured not in the background but in the foreground on other days and on other streams because we're going to have a child and as an adult stream but also a mother tongue and bilingual stream. So it's going to be a very exciting period. So uh, at a personal level, what's your opinion? What can FIC do more or add to the agenda that they already have? Actually, FIC itself is uh, a complete collaborative effort and each member is the face of FIC. For me, the FIC is already proving to be a great success, Prakriti, because it is giving people like yourself who are still relatively new as storytellers an opportunity not only to rub shoulders with some very experienced individuals, but also beginning to take on some responsibility. And so that hopefully it won't be too long in the future when you feel confident that you could perhaps run your own small festival or make those kind of contributions and grow storytelling within your community. Thank you, Roger. Nandita really wanted to be here, but uh, she is suffering from corona and she's not able to speak at all. So, yeah, maybe next time. But thank you, uh, Ritu. Thank you, Roger, for inviting us. Thank you, Story Mitra, for being with us on this episode of Story Walk. And now it's time for the pantry section with the podcast chefs. That's all of us producers. We'll share some favorite resource books of Indian stories. I'm sure that this will assist storytellers uh, who are out there looking for Indian tales to use for their storytelling. So uh, let's jump right into it 
And how about you, Shereen? What are some of your uh, favorite ones? I have a few, Ritu, but my top pick for Indian folktales would be A.K. Ramanujan's Folk Tales from India, published by Penguin Books. A.K. Ramanujan was a poet and scholar, and he played a very significant role in collecting and compiling oral folktales. Now, this particular book is almost an encyclopedia of a hundred-odd tales, translated from 22 different Indian languages. He's included only tales from actual tellers, rather than literary texts, and many of these tales he personally collected and adapted, so they're so open to retelling. The Flowering Tree was another famous one. That's probably one of the earlier collections that he has. And it's interesting tale about how he collected those stories from anyone and everybody. And he had no idea about where he will use it or would they be called uh, folk tales. It's also a very good learning point, I think, for uh, every storyteller, is that whenever you meet somebody, particularly perhaps if they're from a different a background, cultural, ethnicity, to ask them if they have a story that their parents told them when they were young. And this is how you can actually get the story from the horse's mouth, as it were, rather than having to go to a book. Yeah, absolutely. Going over to you, Rituparna, you're a podcaster, and I'm sure you have great resources that you treasure. Right. Um, so I tell stories in English, Hindi, and my mother tongue, Bangla. And for telling stories in my mother tongue, I like to translate stories uh, which I've read in either English or in Hindi in other books. Just sort of taking a leaf out of what Shireen just talked about, there's a Hindi version of that book which has been published by National Book Trust in India. And the stories are equally wonderful uh, when you read them in Hindi. And it's, it's interesting that when you read a story which is read in, written in the literary style, really, you have to reimagine the story when you have to tell it uh, orally. And I think all storytellers do that. The other person whose books I strongly recommend are Kathy Spagnoli's books. It's a terrific example of how folk tales, simple folk tales, can be woven around and, and told uh, simply to children. Kathy is a story gatherer by nature, and which is why I think I'm drawn naturally to her, her kind of work. The other book, which is a more contemporary book, Kathy's book have been written a while back. Uh, this one, it's called The Legend of Himal and Nagrai. This is a book which has been published by Speaking Tiger, and it's the stories are retold by Oniza Drabu. And Oniza is a Kashmiri who grew up listening to stories, uh, folk tales in her culture from her mother, from other people. So you get a big good insight into the kind of stories that have guided Kashmiri folklore. And she's also written it, retold it, as if it's a story, oral storyteller writing that story. I think that's a very, very special quality. Well, that's a wonderful uh, sharing. Thanks very much for that, uh, Pana. And I think that's an important thing. Yes, we do need to... Remember that the way that we write about things and the way that we speak about things are very different. The rhythms that we have and that we want to use when we're telling a story are quite different. Uh, how about um, Krupa? You've been very quiet so far. I'm sure you've got some books as well. Yes, and it, it's nice to know that both Ritu and I enjoy uh, Kathy Spagnoli's stories. So this, the book that I have is A Treasury of Asian Stories and Activities by Kathy Spagnoli. And I like this book because it is I can do it right away book. That's how I call it. 
it's ready to go it's a takeaway book so the minute i open it they, there's a, a very good introduction about the place that the story comes from and after the story ends which is written in a very tellable format there's a bunch of cultural activities and stuff that i can do with the kids so i enjoy that when i'm unprepared on the other hand i also enjoy collections from margaret reed macdonald because they are gathered stories and they are in their most basic bare form and this i enjoy because i can play with the story and kind of expand it and then find other versions of it and um i i enjoy putting me into the story rather than having a takeaway and you're not the only one it's one of the reasons why margaret's so popular and i'm surely going to get hold of that being a teacher it's a real good resource for me too meher um you tell stories for all occasions for a wide range of audience what do you prefer so apart from ak ramanujan's collection of indian folk tales uh, which is quite exhaustive and uh, a book i refer to quite often there's also this other book uh, which i like which is called sacked by deepa agarwal it has this unique collection of some 15 folk tales and uh, apart from that uh, author sudha murthy's few books feature some traditional tales from different corners of india which are really beautiful and um, yeah i also love indulging in picture books by publishers like karadi tales or tulika and they have these some wonderfully illustrated folk tales uh, retold by various authors And as for me um I love to tell uh, stories from Panchatantra and my favorite is the Panchatantra by Vishnu Sharma. It has all the five parts and the various stories are put in the right sections. And the best part that I love is that there are chants in between. How about you Raja? Well, I first thing I want to say is uh I want to show off my knowledge that the Panchatantra, of course, is Panchatantra five, isn't it? Why you said you have to have all five parts uh, in that particular collection, and I've been keeping quiet because obviously I'm not Indian, and therefore, along with all those other listeners uh, who I hope will find this particular uh, dip into the pantry useful, I'm always keen to actually hear from you know people who have the credibility to speak about indian folk tales and it's one of the things that we at feast have been doing with our anthologies we've published three to date and we get our members to submit uh, stories and so we do have given that we have such a large indian membership we have quite a large number of indian folk tales in those books i remember in our first one a feast of stories they're all about food two wonderful stories about ladoos which are a wonderful sweet uh, delicacy both quite comical uh, stories and then in the edition that we published in 2019 royals wise and otherwise of course we had a quite a number of akbar and birbal stories which are always hugely popular the details along with the details of all the books that we've mentioned will be on wherever you go to download the podcast uh, we will put those details there so you can follow up and find them so thanks very much my fellow producers for sharing your uh, words and wisdom uh, today and giving us such a, a diverse selection of really reliable resources and the caveats that you mentioned about one take when you take somebody else's text although the story 
uh, is, as it were, in the public domain. Their version is their version. And it's really important that you, as um, Krupa used the word, reimagine that story. And I think that's really important that you bring your style of telling, that as you're looking through it, you're finding those moments where you can highlight the repetition or find opportunities for interactivity or whatever it is that you like to do with a story. So thanks very much. And we hope that you now have lots of great ideas to find more Indian stories. I think it's almost time for another story from India. Almost, Ritu, but not quite yet. Be patient, and the fruits of patience are sweet, I think. For now, we have our appointment in the Story Clinic. Of course. Time for our monthly consultation with the guest storyteller for a Q&A session. So, whom do we have joining us today? Well, we have Nupur Agarwal who is a teacher trainer and story coach with schools in India, helping teachers leverage storytelling as a strategy in their classroom. I've been lucky enough to see Nupurtel at festivals both here in Singapore and in Kolkata. And alongside the fact that she's energetic, interactive and engaging, she also loves using props as a way to enrich her telling. And that's what we're going to talk about. I'm all ears, Roger. So my first question is, why do you like using props in your storytelling? Okay, so I think when we use props in a particular story, it just adds to the experience of the story and makes the story more visual. Uh -huh. I'll give you an example of a string puppet that I bought from Rajasthan. This string puppet has two sides to it. So when I hold it upright, my audience sees a woman in a traditional Rajasthani lehenga, which is a skirt. But then when I flip it around, it transforms into a man. Beautifully conceptualized, this particular puppet always manages to surprise and enthrall my audience. Can you give me an example or ways that a prop helps you to dramatize your telling? Sometimes prop can help audience distinguish between the characters. So I'll give you an example of a story with a very traditional setting. So there is this woman in a village. Now, when I want to portray her character, I just wrap a dupatta, a long scarf, around my head. And when I introduce her farmer husband to the audience, I remove that scarf from my head and I put it around my neck. A very simple trick, but a great one to help audience distinguish between characters. Oh, I like that. Yeah, cloth is so flexible, isn't it? You can use it as so many different things. Also, like a snake or... Uh, a baby, you know, cradle it in your arms. Wonderful, wonderful. So what are the important questions uh, a teller should consider when thinking about using a prop? One should only use a prop or props if it enhances the telling and adds to the fun and enjoyment of the story. <laughs> exactly. You don't want your prop to be a distraction. It is also important to consider the age group and the size of your audience because what works for a five-year-old may not work for a 13-year-old. That's a good point, yes. Uh, uh, given a teenager's like different way of seeing things. So of course, the kind of props I would use for kindergarten would be different from what I use uh, with uh, older age group because for the latter, something abstract can work too. But younger the children, the prop needs to be more definite and closer to reality. Also for young children, what works best are props that are big, bright, colorful, easy to handle. 
But that's not a limitation when you work with older kids. Indeed. Teens can, can cope with something that's more abstract, can't they? So the prop could be symbols or metaphors to indicate something else. Again, when I talk for the size of the audience, what works for a setting of 20 children may not fit in well for a larger gathering. Yes, I'm glad you're, you're highlighting that it's important that a teller is mindful of their intent, you know, why they want to use a prop in a particular story. So what questions are you asking yourself? Do you want to use a prop to represent a character or a particular setting in the story? Or do you want to use the prop to sing the song while narrating a story? You may even need a prop to warm up to your audience. Know exactly the kind of prop you would need. And also pay attention to the number of props. Now, because some stories may need and can be told with just one prop and then there are those like Hungry Caterpillar and Stone Soup which are more demanding in terms of the number of props that you need to tell them. <laughs> yes, Stone Soup can be quite a handful or should I say a mouthful because you can always bring those ingredients home and cook them, can't you? I'm curious, Nupa, where do you get your props? Do you buy them or do you make them? I would say a mix of both. When you have the clarity on the kind of props and the number of props you need and uh, then you start the work of preparing them, it is good to first check if you have them around already. Because sometimes you can use the household things or toys from children's cupboards as props. So do take a look before you set out to buy them. And if you need to build then, then be mindful of the materials you will use. Making props is a time-consuming process. So thinking how to make them, procuring the material, and actual process of making them is all very, very tedious. So build them with materials which will last a few tellings. It shouldn't fall apart with just one telling. And my last question, Nupa, because unfortunately time is against us, do you let the children handle your props, I mean, either during the story or after it? And if so, how do you protect them? I mean, the props, I mean, not the children. I always let children handle my props after I have told the story. But before that, I have a little conversation with them. I tell them uh, to be very careful. I tell them the hard work that has gone in. And once I have that little conversation, uh, I have never experienced any child, uh, you know, being unmindful or being rough with my props. Well, thanks, Nupa, for sharing that. I look forward to seeing your reversible puppet. I can't believe that I still haven't seen that. And please do stay safe and stay strong. I really like what Nupur said about managing multiple props. It's something I have to watch carefully when I'm telling with my story felts. Yeah, sometimes two hands isn't enough, is it? Now, Roger. For our sweet tooth, we have a fortune cookie. Where Priyanka Chatterjee, an Indian storyteller from Kolkata, tells a folktale from the Indian state of Punjab. Punjab is famous for its lively music and engrossing tales. And when Priyanka tells, her exuberance and imagery adds to the vigor of the story. Priyanka Chatterjee, aka Golpo Didi, is an international story consultant, an MBA gold medalist and an alumna of the International Institute of Storytelling at Emerson College in UK. She's the director of the Storytelling Education and Arts India Council and founded Wild Strawberry, an art education organisation. <laughs>
हम नहीं तोड़ेंगे तोड़ेंगे दम मगर तेरा साथ ना छोड़ेंगे दैट वॉज द स्पेशल फ्रेंडशिप बिटवीन टू बी एफ एफ्स बेस्ट फ्रेंड्स फॉर एवर राम एंड श्याम टू फ्रेंड्स फ्रॉम वन क्वेंट लिटल विलेज समवेयर इन इंडिया दे एट टूगेदर दे स्लेप टूगेदर दे प्ले टूगेदर दे ग्रू अप टूगेदर एंड दे इवन लुक फॉर फॉर्चून टूगेदर दे पैक देर बैग्स एंड देर बिलोंगिंग्स एंड दे स्टार्टेड ट्रेवलिंग फ्रॉम डिफरेंट सिटीज टू टाउन्स टू विलेजेस लुकिंग फॉर फॉर्चून लुकिंग फॉर रीचेस दे वॉक हार्ड ड्यूरिंग द डे and during the night they would ask for shelter in the same city or town or village until one day and until this problematic one day comes in the story it's not even a story right hence one day they came to a particular village they walked hard during the day and during the night they came to the chief of the village for permission to stay during the night স্বাগতম নমস্কার বন্ধুরা অফকোর্স ইউ ক্যান স্টে ডিউরিং দ্য নাইট বাট রিমেম্বর ওয়ান রুল অফ দিস ভিলেজ ইফ ইউ স্নোর ইন দ্য নাইট দেন ইউ ক্যান গেট বিহেডেড ইয়েস ইউ হার্ড ইট রাইট ইফ ইউ স্নোর ইউ গেট কিলড স্নোরিং ক্যান গেট আ স্কিলড what kind of a weird rule is that ram and sham thought they looked outside the window it was dense dark they looked at each other they didn't have a choice they proceeded towards the hut that was allocated to them for the night they fell asleep but in the middle of the night ram woke up with a start because of some weird kind of sound that was coming from inside the hut itself <laughs> Sham was snoring and at the same time he heard a sound coming from outside the hut footsteps approaching maybe the night patrol maybe the chief of the village uh, looking for something is right or wrong maybe some other villager who can immediately go and report the chief of the village of this happening mm, what can he do to save his friend's life ram thought maybe shake sham shake 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 sham wake 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 but sham didn't instead <laughs> what can ram do maybe tickle sham tickle 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 sham wake 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 but alas sam didn't instead he snored <laughs> Ram thought the footsteps approached and Sham snored what else can be done maybe maybe pour some water on Sham but alas Sham didn't wake up and the entire pitcher of water was emptied on Sham but still he didn't <laughs> now ram really needed to think outside the box maybe if he cannot stop the sound he can suppress the sound with a even louder sound mm, but if he is going to scream at the top of his voice that is going to attract some undue attention which he didn't want hence 
he might sing aha but he knew only one tune poor ram knew only one tune with no words in it but what could be the words what could be the words he thought and sham snored and the footsteps approached and you might be thinking how come the footsteps are approaching for so long <laughs> anything and everything can happen in a story right and hence ram thought what could be the lines in the song maybe whatever they did during the day what was the first thing they did during the day aha they walked and they walked and they walked we walked on the road la 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 ram thought shams not the the footsteps kept approaching what can be the next line aha uh, they came to this village right okay let's go we walked on the road we came to this village la 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 footsteps came nearer sham snored louder and ram thought harder what can be the next line they came to this village and they made this village people we walked on the road we came to this village we made this village people la 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 ta and the footsteps approach nearer sham snored harder ram thought even harder hmm what can be the last line of the stanza aha they made this village people and they were nice to them kind of because of the weird rule of snoring and behaving anyway he got the last line and he sang he walked on the road we came to this village we made this village people and they were nice to us and moment he found the song the footsteps stopped the footsteps receded and gradually all the windows and the doors in the village they kept opening people started peeping out people started coming out the villagers got their drums they started beating their drums they started making merry they started singing they started learning the song from ramu and the merry the rejoicing continued throughout the night until the first ray of sunlight fell on the village in the morning ram opened the door and there was this chief of the village standing there smiling from ear to ear my friend you have made us so happy after such a long time and hence a token of gratitude from our side a bag full of gold coin a bag full of gold coins wow finally they found their fortune and they decided to go back home for some time and while they were going back the real problem started brewing up ram thought he should get the land share of the gold coins because he sang and his throat was still aching and sham thought he should get the major share of the gold coins because he was the root cause he snored hence ram ram sang and hence the bag full of gold coins of course i sang hm, i snored i sang i snored 
I sang. Hmm, I snored. I sang. I snored. They were so busy fighting, little did they notice that somebody was standing next to them. Of course, the chief of the village. My friends, you have tried to teach me. This is not going to work. You have to return me back my bag full of gold coin. And they had to. Once again, they became poor. They had to look for fortune here, there, everywhere. But together. They once again started traveling from cities to towns to villages. But together. Ye do siti hum nahi torenge torenge dam magar tera saath na chhodenge tera saath na chhodenge What a fun story with friends singing and snoring. Or shall I say snoring and singing? I expect they're still arguing about who was the real hero. Hmm? Thank you, Priyanka, for bringing this episode of Story Walk to a beautiful comical close. We hope you enjoyed the stories and we thank all our guests for taking time to share their thoughts as well as stories with us. And thanks too to all of you who've sent emails expressing your interest in wanting to tell stories in our upcoming episodes. We hope to get in touch with you as and when the opportunity arises. The good news is that we've decided to extend this opening season of the Story Walk right the way through to December. But we are hoping that we'll find more Feast members who would like to join the team as producers and contribute towards the curation and editing of the walk. While they say that too many hands spoil the broth, but that's not the case when we're working on the walk. The more hands, the better. Do let us know how we are doing via feaststory at the rate gmail.com or storywalk at gmail.com. Again, I'm Ritu Vesh. And I'm Roger Jenkins. All of us at Storywalk Podcast. Thank you for listening and hope you'll enjoy us again next month for another delectable platter of Asian stories. Hot off the press. Huh? I mean walk. Ah. Hot off the walk. Yes.